world is not interested in the storms you encountered, but did you bring the ships in? James Rowe, Five Years to Freedom. Welcome back to the podcast that helps you be the leader. I'm Jeremiah. I'm your host. For those of you that are new, this is a podcast that teaches you how to be the leader in life, at your work, in your sport, or in your profession. It's a leadership and personal performance podcast. This podcast is for people that want to win in any area of their life. But the overall goal of this podcast is to help you transform to a top performer in your field. It'll help you establish a foundation in leadership and help you evolve from a poor leader to a good leader or a good leader to a great one. I'll ask that if you find value in today's episode, if you laugh, if you learn, or you just are overall entertained that you share it with a friend. Sharing the, the, the podcast with a friend is the organic way that we're growing it. So I just ask that you do that if you, if you find some enjoyment in today's episode. But to move right into today's topic, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thanks again for, for joining another episode of Be The Leader. And we're going to talk about um, thriving in solitude. So the world right now is in chaos. And I want to give you guys some performance tips and techniques to help you not just survive, but thrive in today's environment. So that's going to be the focus of today. It's going to be a life-changing episode because these are going to be techniques that you're going to use uh, while in solitude, but they're going to be techniques that you can use um, when you get back to your normal day of life. So it's my goal to bring more value to you during these quarantine times. But before I do, just want to bring in my trusted sidekick and um, and co-host, I'm joined by the the pod master, Justin Phillips. What's up? There Justin? we go. See, you used the nickname that time, which is a good thing because I didn't come up with any new ones. <laughs> kind of about it. I'm doing fantastic. Think- um, you made me do homework for today's episode and then change the topic. So we're not using my homework. So I enjoy <laughs> that. But uh, I- I'm excited about the topic that we are doing, though, because it pertains to everybody right now. Another thing I was just thinking while you explained that we're talking about thriving in solitude is that like people should probably remember that as we go over this, this isn't just going to pertain to you for the rest of the quarantine that we're in right now. There's probably going to be some other time where the tips that Jeremiah is going to hit on in this episode are going to be relevant to you at some point. So don't expect this to be the last time you have to worry about thriving in solitude because I feel like it's probably not. Yeah. And, and like I said, that these are going to be, these are great performance techniques that we're going to talk about to, to help you in any environment. Um, and I, yeah, we, we did have a leadership, really in-depth leadership episode plan that I totally changed at the last minute, but I, it's because I listen to the the environment and I fight the, the enemy on the ground, not the plan. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, I realized that people right now, what they need is, um, they need tools and techniques to, to get through what we're going through. So, um, I wanted to make the most out of the opportunity and, and help those people out. But, uh, yeah, so that's what we're going to talk about today. And now, but it does tie into leadership, guys. I want to reconnect you with the whole philosophy of leadership. You know, what we're trying to do is lead ourselves so we can lead others. And the goal here is that if we can master ourselves and get us independently operating at a high level, then that will be an example that other people can follow. So that's why we're putting a lot of emphasis on the individual on these first episodes that we're going through. It's to help you become the example so that other people can mirror you. And then throughout, I'm going to give you tools to increase your influence and impact so that you can build teams and grow uh, as well. But 
you know, just, just to reconnect the new listeners that are jumping in on today's episode and haven't listened to the previous ones, that's what we're doing here. We're leading ourselves, and I'm sharing my experience that, that I've gained from, you know, Major Steel and all the great leaders before me with you so that you can become better and make this world a better place and evolve. Also, just a quick side note, I, I noticed that about 10% of you guys that listen to this on a pretty regular basis have left reviews on Apple. That's not a terrible number, but it's also not a good number if you ask me. And I, I know Jeremiah well enough to know that he doesn't compare himself to the status quo per se. So let's try to get more than 10% of you leaving those written reviews for us on Apple. We are like right on the borderlines of being on the charts. And those those reviews are really what kind of, you know, tips that over. They're the, they're the tipping point. Yeah, this is like this is like good good cop bad cop you can be the bad cop you're gonna tell them to hey hurry up and go write reviews and i'm gonna come in and like hey guys listen i really appreciate what you're doing for us i appreciate the support so it's good cop bad cop we'll never go bad cop bad cop right yeah but i will always be bad cop so if jeremiah turns the table we will go bad cop bad cop (laughs) all right fair but yeah he's right guys If if you help us out leave some more reviews i do appreciate the ones that i'm seeing pop up from time to time they're they're outstanding reviews the people that are writing them so um yeah keep 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 it going it helps us i think that helps rank the podcast higher right and so we got into the top 200 now we got to get to the top 100 then the top 10 then one yeah so then okay, zero cool. and then negative four and then, then yeah yeah get into the negatives right? <laughs> <laughs> so jeremiah what is okay everybody knows what's going on in the world right now but how how do you think this is generally affecting people like how much do you think people are actually kind of shocked by having to go into this form of isolation that we're all experiencing for the first time do you think people are as vocal about it as they're really feeling i don't and i think that i think that's what's going on is uh it's honestly the way the world's reacting to coronavirus and i know everybody's probably tired of talking about it so we're not going to hammer that too much on this podcast to give you a mental break but we will address the elephant in the room right that that is the elephant in the room so we have an obligation to talk about it um but what i think people are going through right now is essentially the the five stages of grief you know at first what is it it's uh it's denial and then after that it's anger and then it's bargaining and then it's depression then acceptance and so i think everybody's in a different one of those stages you've seen the bargaining one in here is kind of like okay i don't have to be quarantined necessarily i can still kind of do my regular life and then a day goes by two days goes by and the governor comes in and says nope you're staying in your house and you're not leaving yes. right so it, you know that that bargaining stage is definitely interesting and then after that comes depression and yeah. eventually acceptance yeah, you were telling me about that actually a little bit. Why don't you dive into what you were saying? I thought this was really interesting about like, what would the difference be right now if we were like boldly and proudly unified and deciding to stay home and being like, we're going to do this, we're going to beat coronavirus versus the way that we are doing it, which is kind of doing it with more resistance from both sides and being told to stay in our homes and then people are still going out anyway and we're kind of fighting each other. We're like siblings that can't get along basically across the whole country. Yeah, the, the frustrating part right now is that people are um, at home, they're quarantined and they're living in panic and fear and they're questioning and they're skeptical of all the information they're, be, they're being given. And it's sad because that's honestly, it's pretty easy to, to make a shift and have people proud to be in their house uh, and proud to be quarantined. It's just a matter of messaging. So mm-hmm. 
human beings need an enemy, right? That's why for a lot of people, like for a lot of high achievers, mediocrity is a great enemy. It's like, hey, I can despise that thing and continue every single day to try and be better and better. So it doesn't matter what, if, if the enemy is tangible or not, or if it's an idea, we can, we always want to have an enemy in mind. And, you know, when I saw that we were all being pushed into this, into quarantine, I was upset because, uh, you know, the, the messaging that we're receiving isn't a positive one. It's peer, it's, it's fear and it's panic. And I, I don't want to bash the media on this, but I'm going to bash them a little bit. And it's the media is causing this divide and it's making us hate each other and different um, political parties or individuals when in reality we should just be hating the coronavirus. Yeah. Okay. And if, if that was the messaging, if every news story that we received was, Hey, we're in this together. We're going to fight the coronavirus. We're going to thrive. We're going to, you know what, this is our enemy. And in order to conquer it, we're going to spend some time indoors and we're going to own this situation as Americans. And People could do that, ex- receive that message, mentally attack, mentally see coronavirus as the enemy, live indoors and be completely fine with it, be, it, be content mm-hmm. and, and believe that there's hope, right? And uh, so it would be that easy to make a shift. And it would be like, just like how we united after 9-11, we, yes. we grouped up together against a common enemy. And it's unfortunate that we're not doing that as a country right now. And that really what we're doing is just living in fear, living in panic and living in, living in a divide. Well, also don't, don't you think it's kind of unfortunate that any group of people in this case, we're using Americans as an example, essentially, or a country as an example, but isn't it kind of unfortunate that you do need to have that just tragic or devastating or just mass suffering to fight against in order for people to come together? Like, is there a way to get people to come together before having that happen? I think you got to do both. You know, it's just like the internal voice inside your head. Some some days you want to have positive reinforcement, but other days you want to talk some shit to yourself and be like, come on, you lazy bastard, get out of bed, get going. <laughs> right. Like you, you kind of, you, you want to play both sides. It's like, there's a dark side to life. That's true. Yeah. And if we, if we always lived in the optimistic side of life, like, Hey, there's nothing bad that happens. We don't need to have any hate at all. Then you're kind of living in this delusional world. In my opinion, I'm not, you know, Opinions vary. Somebody could have a completely different opinion about um, this than I do, and that's completely fine. But I think it's natural for us to have it. I don't think we should favor one or the other. And I also don't think it's healthy to live in hate all the time, but it is healthy to have an enemy that makes you better, right? Yes. Okay. So that's that's a good point, I think, that you just touched on is that um, I know Simon Sinek talks about that in the Infinite Game. I forget what he calls it, like the worthy rival versus just an enemy is having someone that kind of fills in the gaps and shows you your weaknesses, but so that way you can thrive off of that instead of just kind of getting really discouraged and put down and whatever it is that you're trying to do. And thriving yeah. is exactly what we're supposed to be talking about here. So, Yeah, and I could probably get sued for saying this, but uh, you know, in that book, you know, Simon and, and Jocko Willink are two rivals, right? Like mm-hmm. Simon's like the infinite game. He's, he's the one that believes there's no end in sight. And Jocko Willink, retired Navy SEAL is like, nope, you can win. There is an end. And, and, and at least they, they see eye to eye on a lot of things, but essentially they are competitors, right? That's an honest assessment. They are competitors and their cause helps sharpen one another. 
they, they compete against each other in a healthy way that's making the world better. They're both trying to bring stronger, more powerful leaders into the into the world and fix culture and fix our fix and better humanity for for um for a good cause, right? So they're doing that together. But now are you are you making the claim that that worthy rival can be something intangible as well, or does it have to be a person? No, I'd say it can be. It can be totally intangible. Um, in fact, I live in that state quite often. Uh, you, my wife laughs at me because I always have this story, this narrative of somebody I'm either like competing with or I generally- My wife I, laughs at you a lot. Oh, she, she's, she does. She <laughs> shakes her head at me a lot too. But you know, I create these narratives in my head and I generalize things intentionally. Like I might say something like, man- the world is lazy, right? I might say that when and actually there's a lot of hardworking Americans out there, a lot of people doing some unbelievable work. All you got to do is spend one day walking around outside and, and, and see the, the, the nine to five jobs that everybody has. Um, but I don't, I say those things because I like to play with that idea and it charges me up and makes me better. So I I'm saying, yeah, I'm at war mentally with all these people in my mind and right. stories and I do it with myself. Like if I'm competing, right. If I'm running, if I'm running, like I'm working out really, really hard and I start to feel lazy, I create a rival in my head, the lazy self versus the strong self. And I say to myself, like, Hey, you can either essentially bitch out of this run right now, bring it down a notch, or you can confront that rival, kick it up a notch. And in my head, what I'm doing, I actually see this. I picture myself leaving myself and I picture the old self getting out in front of the other one. And it's like this ghost that kind of like trails behind me. And in my mind, I'm like dusting that old weak self. I know it's crazy, but that's the world that I live in. <laughs> you need to lay off the caffeine. That's what you need to do. But um, it's not that I'm like that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Because you have a thousand milligrams of caffeine running through your blood all the time. Um, no, but that's cool too. So what, what I'm getting out of that too, that could be really useful is that you're like versions of yourself can be that enemy and what you're chasing after at the same time. And I know I've heard that before too, like creating this like ultimate version of yourself and this really shitty version of yourself and asking yourself like, what would the better version of me do in this situation? So do you think that's something that people should, could be helped with right now when we get into talking about solitude and stuff is just thinking about like, if my best self were in this situation right now, what would I be doing? Yeah, it, it's it's a really good it's a really good um, way to navigate the current situation. You know, uh, basically what you're trying to do right now is land navigation. So in the military, we do land navigation. Sometimes it's in an urban environment. Sometimes it's out in the woods. And your job is to go from one point to the next using um, grid coordinates to traverse terrain, get to the point, write down your uh, write down the little code or punch your card collect that point and then move to the next one. And so in life, you're doing land navigation. Okay. You're moving from one point to the next, but everybody is out on the course. And it's, it's the same true in a military situation. The same is true there. Everybody's out there, but everybody's doing the course on their own. And so what's happening is you have a compass, you have a map and you have yourself out in the woods traveling from one point to the next. Well, right now you're in between points. And you're tired, you're fatigued, you're out in the woods, and you have two choices. You can either go to the next point or you can sit down and not collect any and lose the course. And so there's two people out there on the course. There's your, your, your ideal self who wants to win, who wants to get through the land navigation, collect all five of your points, 
get to the end. And there's another person who wants to quit and sit down. So when you're at that crossroads, like we are right now, you have to decide who do you want to be? Like, do I want to be this person that finishes the course and figures it out? Even if my compass is broke, even if my map is wet, do I want to figure it out or do I want to sit down? Do I want to quit? So you got to make that decision early and make it early on. So when you're getting to a situation where you're in solitude, it's no different than land navigation. You need to ask yourself, like, who do I want to be at the end of this? Yes. Well, okay. So how, what about people? Someone is surely struggling with the uncertainty of what's going on right now, but it's almost a mix of certainty and uncertainty because, you know, most of us have wrapped our minds around the fact that this whole situation the world is in right now is eventually going to be over and things will return to normal or at least what we will consider normal at that time. We won't be quarantined forever. So do you think people are kind of just coasting right now instead of actually being proactive with their lives and that could be causing some of the struggles that they're having with isolation or with feeling lost or even financially because they're sitting around, you know, wondering when the stimulus bill or whatever is going to get passed and this stuff instead of going out and actually doing something because they're like, why should I start something when this is going to be over soon? Yeah. I mean, there, there's a delicate balance between um, having patience and, and being lazy. Okay. So if you, if a bad situation presents itself, kind of like what's happened here and it's, it's completely okay to wait and demonstrate some, what's called tactical patience, let the battlefield, you know, unfold, let the battlefield, let the situation develop. That's completely fine. Um, but when, once you start taking inaction, okay, when you, once you start not doing anything, and you allow the situation to keep evolving and you continue to hibernate and withdraw. Now, now you're, now you're just being lazy. Okay. So you have to recognize which, which one is acceptable and which stage you're in. Okay. Are you being patient or are you being lazy? And, uh, yeah, so it's okay to let the situation develop, but yeah, I think a lot of people are doing that. They're still kind of in disbelief and, I think on the last time I talked about coronavirus here, I was saying that the pendulum is going to swing. We're going to start hearing everybody else say, Hey, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And it's taken a little bit longer than I anticipated. You know, I thought it was going to come a little bit quicker, but you're starting to see some effects of that now. In fact, I got a news story yesterday that was saying, Hey, the guy that, um, initially said that this is a, this is going to cause millions of lives. Um, he's now saying it's only going to cause tens of thousands of lives or cost tens of thousands of lives. So you're starting to see that messaging happen. But um, the, the bottom line of your question is, yeah, people are doing that. They're kind of waiting. But the problem with waiting is that it's going to catch up to you and you're going to be caught in a really bad situation because there's a lag time. Just like with business, just like with fitness, your results that you're experiencing today come from your actions in the last 30, 60, 90, 120 days. It's not the actions you're doing today. So you know, people should be thinking about their future self. Who, what, what life am I setting myself up for here in 30, 60, 90 days? Yeah. So would your advice to people be, what would your advice to people be just to utilize this time right now? Because I think another problem that just popped into my head might be that people are trying to find ways to pass the time instead of move themselves towards something. And I know personally, like that can suck when you're just looking for ways to pass the time. It's just like, how do I get through the next hour? How do I get through the next hour? You know, the clock says 12. I want it to say one and then I want it to say two and then I want it to say three and so on and so forth. So do you think it would help people if they found something to actually move towards instead of just trying to 
kill time until their job comes back, basically. Yeah. It, so you should you should do both. Okay. You, you want to develop a mindset to where you d- you do just have to endure that you're in it for the long haul. That's how I got through Ranger School. Okay. I, when I was in Ranger School, a lot of guys were living for the short term different evolutions of the course. Hey, we're going to get a day off, half a day off here, half meet. And that wasn't me. I, I put my mind in a place of, Hey, I looked up the history. I was like, nobody's ever been in ranger school longer than two years. And I was, so I went in there and I was like, okay, mentally, I'm just going to think about, I'm here for two years. And what ended up happening, I was in and out in 62 days. But the point is, is it was a lot less, I was thinking about the long haul and I do this on my runs too. When I'm running 10 miles, I think about a hundred miles. Okay. I let my, I don't let, because what happens is you start pacing yourself for that shorter distance and your body starts compensating for it. And then when it doesn't happen, uh, you collapse. It, 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 I could, there's all kinds of stories that I could talk about for this. Yeah. Um, in fact, I was, I was walking in iBook, an infantry basic officer leader course. These are a bunch of students that are trying to become infantry officers. I was one of their cadre, uh, a volunteer cadre for their 18 mile ruck march into an offensive attack on an urban environment. Okay. So I was evaluating some of these, these students and, uh, the student leadership that was in charge, these guys that were in different leadership roles, they were encouraging each other throughout the entire March, the 18 miles, but there was a problem. They were encouraging each other to get through the end, get through the 18 miles. They weren't talking about the offensive attack on the back end. And what I was encouraging the leadership to do, I said, hey, don't, don't tell them to stay focused on just six more miles, just four more miles. Don't tell them that the end is the end of the 18 miles. They need to think about the end of the fight because <clears throat> what's going to end up happening is they're going to collapse. And, sh- and sure as shit, guess what happened? We're walking them and we walk all throughout the night. They're already smoked because they've been planning for multiple days. And there's, you know, a whole infantry company of these students. And they're they're talking and encouraging each other. And it's about four o'clock in the morning. And we finally get to uh, an area where we're going to consolidate. And that was the end of the 18 miles. And as everybody's trying to collapse in and consolidate, the people that reached the 18 mile mark, what do you think they did? They collapsed. They collapsed. They sat down. They started fixing their shoes. They started acting like they were going to rest. And the whole half of the formation, if not more, basically went into I'm done mode. Mm -hmm. And then guess what was the next challenge? Getting everybody up and moving again to the objective. Yeah. And so everybody started mentally quitting. And it took literally 45 minutes, almost an hour to get everybody to go from that halt to start moving again. And people were on their backs, their legs were cramped up. They started getting cold. So their legs weren't moving. Right. And then all the leadership had to convince them. And, and at this point people are yelling and, th- and they're like, you know, 800 meters or, or 400 meters away from the objective. And they're yelling at each other, getting in arguments because everybody has quit. And I was telling them, I said, hey, and afterwards, so that we got them up and going and they cleared the objective. It was chaos. It was, it was not pretty. I gave them some evaluations, feedback. And I said, hey, the lesson from all of this is the fight doesn't start at the fight doesn't end at the, at the 18 miles. Okay. The fight starts 
at the end of 18 miles. Okay, so you got you to gotta mentally prepare for the long game. And what a lot of people are, right, are doing right now in this solitude re- environment is they're thinking about the short game, so they're just kind of checking out. They're thinking, oh, I'm just going to ride this out for a couple of days, ride it out for whatever it is, yeah, a couple hours, and I'll be fine. But really, you need to start thinking long-term. And I don't mean long-term that you're going to be in solitude. I just mean think about long-term where you're going to be in your professional life and who you're going to be as a person long-term. And then we can reverse engineer what we need to do now to become more later. Does that make sense? That mostly makes sense. And it is fascinating to think about the way we do that with almost anything is like when we put an end point in our mind, well, this is kind of like why the whole 10x thing exists, right? Is because when people give themselves that target, you inevitably fall short of it just about every time. So the whole concept of 10x is to go well beyond it. So that way, when you do fall short, you still hit the target. So I guess what you're saying for people in our situation right now, we're trying to get through solitude is kind of um, saying to plan to be in solitude for quite a while. And it'll, it'll, I don't want to say be easier, but you'll be a lot better at getting through whatever amount of time you actually have to. You'll, you'll shift from being a bystander to being productive. Yeah. Okay. You'll start taking control of your situation, which is what we want. We want to increase productivity right now, right? We want the leader to start doing and acting because right now he just feels when you're in survival mode, all you're thinking about is surviving. Okay. I just need to wait this out, right? Hunker Mm -hmm. down, survive. But what we want to do is thrive. Okay. So as soon as you get to the realization that, Hey, this is a bad situation. I'm gonna be here for a while. Now, how can I start thriving? Okay. Um, and so what I'm, the lesson from that little segment right there that we just did is you have to do two things, Pre- prepare for the long game so you can be productive, but also build your resilience. So like I was talking about with Ranger School, how I went through Ranger School thinking about being there for two years. That's a method to build my resilience. That keeps me mentally strong for the long game. Okay. Um, a great, a person that did this really, really well was the book I was talking to you about earlier, mm. Five Years of Freedom by, uh, by James Rowe. Yeah. Okay. So that, that book, it, it's a story of a guy who was captured in Vietnam. And it's, a, it's honestly one of the most resilient stories you'll ever read. He, he remains resilient in the face of near starvation, repeated psychological physical and mental torture and the the book teaches you what it takes to survive in body mind and spirit and under like some of the harshest uh conditions to mankind okay but what's really cool about the book is is he gives you like this roadmap for living a meaningful life and that's what we're talking about right now is you can create your own roadmap for creating a meaningful life by thriving in this time of solitude you know, you can learn love of family, optimism, a sense of humor, right? Fierce commitments to higher ideals. So that's really what we want to do during this time of solitude is get to that place like, like, like James Rowe did where he was imprisoned for five years and he was still able to have those things. How do, what are some quick tips for people? There are books like that out there. A Man's Search for Meaning is another big one that comes to mind. That's a similar type of situation but when it comes to people that aren't frankly and 
don't have this experience of being thrown into prison or whatever the case might be, you know, how do they find a way to discipline themselves to actually do that kind of a thing and get themselves to want to master the monotonous rather than just doing it? Yeah. Um, so for the first thing is that there's a lot of people out there on social media that are telling you what to do during this time of solitude. And a lot of them are coming from a place of, hey, I've worked from home for a really long time. The, ex- the experience and the examples I'm going to give you um, come from actually being in solitude away from humanity and people and family for a really long time. Um, I added up ballpark numbers for how much time I've spent away from my family in my 15-year military career, and it was over five years. It, it was close to six years of being away, either deployed or in a training environment where I didn't have my comforts. I didn't have access to friends, family. I was just in a work environment where I, I felt alone. And you know, when we talk about solitude, we're, we're talking pretty broadly because you can be around people and still feel empty inside. You can still feel like a lone wolf. So regardless of your environment, these techniques will help you if you feel like that. Okay. If you feel like you're in this place of, of solitude, quote unquote. Okay. And it's coming from my five and a half years of being away from people. So the, the first, the first thing, first tip I have is ask yourself powerful questions. Okay. What I mean by powerful questions is answers that will reveal extraordinary, um, solutions and, and extraordinary, uh, results to you. So An example of a powerful question is, who do I want to be when this is all over? Okay. Um, When I was in Iraq, I was there in 2006. I was there for 15 months. You know, and they they told me that I was going to be there for 12 months initially. And then they gave me a surprise three months, about 10 months in. And so that was a difficult time. All right. Because the whole time you're there, and I learned this lesson about not being short-sighted when I was in Iraq because people were counting down the weeks. They were counting down the months. Then guess what? We were counting down to 12 months. And then guess what happened? You know, we were at month. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You're at nine months and you're like, Hey man, we got three months left. And then boom, they drop a bomb on you. And they're like, not a real bomb metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Even though that was happening too. Um, But they were like, you know, Hey, guess what? Not three months, six months now. Like, get, like, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Well, I think everybody can relate to some sort. Obviously not to the same intensity that you've dealt with it. But I even remember as a kid, like growing up when I like would order a new toy on eBay or something and the shipping was like four days and then it didn't come for like seven. Like you just feel like shit when you're over promised and under delivered instead mm-hmm. of the other way around. So I think people get what you're saying. It's just a matter of trying to learn how to over deliver and under promise to yourself to kind of help yourself there. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great way of putting it. And what you're highlighting is disappointment. Yeah, exactly. And when you're, when you're, you know, getting the shit kicked out of you emotionally, physically, whatever disappointment can have, can take a heavy toll. Yeah. So, uh, and then when you're a kid, it can too. That's why it's so hard. So, you know, one tip for, for surviving and thriving in solitude is ask yourself powerful questions. So when I was in Iraq for that 15 months, I asked myself like, you know, if, when I'm not on mission, when I'm not out doing stuff, I'm generally pretty bored. So I have a lot of time. How do I fill this time? So I would ask myself like, 
who do I want to be when this is over? Maybe there's a person out there right now that's never been a reader. And you ask that question and you say, hey, man, I want to be a reader when this is all done. Let me start building those habits now. And now that you know that, you can go to, start, you can go to work to start building the habits and routines now to become that individual. What do you do to find the answer to that question? Like for you, use the example of a reader a lot because I'm pretty sure that actually was the case for you at some point was that you wanted to become a reader. Um, There are inevitably a lot of people out there that just have no interest in reading or have no interest in educating themselves, really, you know, and they want to sit on the couch and they want to drink alcohol and they want to watch Netflix. They want to do stuff like that. So like what kind of soul searching do you have to do to actually figure out the real answer to that question? Yeah. I mean, like I said, the question is the answer. So who, who do I want to be when this is over? Okay. That question should be able to, it'll start revealing little subtle things that you desire. Okay. That's tip. So that's tip number one. Tip number two, which ties into your question is for you to realize what's important to you. Okay. So you might discover that reading is important to you with that question. But what I mean by realize what's important to you is I mean that when you're in solitude and you're away from people and you're isolated, you start longing. Okay. There's these, it's like, it's the longing kind of whispers at first. It's like, man, I kind of miss my dogs or I kind of miss like, man, remember that? Remember I used to have a French toast every Sunday when I was at the house. I kind of missed that a little bit. And then when you're there for a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month, two months, you start craving that stuff. The voice gets louder and it's like, you start, you start realizing the things that are important to you that you never really realized before. For example, for me, my, the dogs is an example. Okay. Had dogs for several years. And then I spent two years away from my wife and my dogs, a whole two years. I think I visited them like twice or something like that in that two year period. And you know, I was in an academic school living in a shitty apartment, just roughing it. And then I went on a deployment on the back end. That ended up being about two years. Actually, there was two deployments in there. It was deployment, military school, another deployment. And during that, that stint, I, I asked myself, like, what's really important to me? What am I really living for? And like, what makes me happy? What's important to me? And I found out that spending time with my dogs made me really, really happy. So I went from never allowing the dogs to sleep on my bed to allowing them in the bed every chance that I get. Right. And so it's like, don't sweat the small stuff, let the dogs in the bed. Right. But, um, so if somebody's trying to figure out what habits they should start building, um, ask those two questions. Okay. Or do adhere to those two tips, ask yourself powerful questions. Who do I want to be is an example. And then number two is realize what's important to you. Write it all down. Just out of curiosity, when you're going through all of these in the military, I, I, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I generally get the idea that you have some sort of, uh, you, you're prepared, not, I mean, you're prepared generally, but you have some sort of warning that you're going to be going away for a while. And I think where there's a difference with the, the quarantine world that we're living in right now is that it just kind of sprung out of nowhere on people. So do you think that really kind of accelerated the hysteria and the kind of chaos that happened because not only do people have to figure out what to do with themselves when they're by themselves, but they just had no idea they were going to have to figure that out. Yeah. So 
A hundred percent. That's true. That the reason people react the way we, they did is because it was a surprise. But what, what isn't true is that I didn't know most of the right. time when I was going to be away from friends and family and in solitude. I didn't, I can think of probably every single one of those examples. Well, that the deployment I knew, I, I knew three months out. Yeah. The, my very first deployment, I knew three months prior. Um, then that deployment went from 12 months to uh, 15 months. And I found that out three months prior as well. I did an, a, that two year stint away from my wife and dogs. Here, here's one for you. Two year stint away from my wife and dogs. Finally felt like I was going to have some stability and be able to build the family again. I got back from that deployment and then I was stateside for two months. And then the military told me in three weeks, you're going to go to Fort Knox, Kentucky for five months and you can't bring your family. And that was a surprise to me. So I went two years away from him and I got done with that. And I said, okay, here's, here's my chance to build my family. You're talking about resilience. I'm mm -hmm. getting fired up thinking about this. And the, the plan wasn't for us to do anything after we got back. The plan after that deployment was for us to focus on family and recharge and reset. And after a couple months on the ground, we got this random, um, this random order to pick up and go to Kentucky and leave our families again for five months. And you're supposed to do it in three weeks time. Yeah. I, like <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting a little bit upset talking about it. Right. So you guys can't see his face right now. But yeah. So I know a little thing or two about resilience, right. And kind of adapting yeah. to the, the, the shit sandwiches that you're felt. But, um, I, yes. So the, my point with that story is that when that happened, you ever seen uh, the movie dumb and dumber? I haven't, but I'm oh. sure most people have. There's a scene in there where Jim Carrey, um, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Good luck. Dan something. Fun but, fact, never ask me anything about movies ever. It, is, the answer this is an no. old movie. <laughs> Here, here's the situation. There's these two guys in Dumb and Dumber, and yeah. they end up in this conversation, and they basically create this story of panic that's going on. And one of them had uh they had a pet like uh a pet bird that they were borrowing from the neighbors or something like that and the bird died and um its head like was canted they still they still had it and its head would like cant right because it was dead and they were still carrying it around and in this moment of chaos they're going back and forth about all these changes their life is experiencing they're like and this is happening and this is happening and this is happening and then all of a sudden one of them says and our pets heads are falling off right like <laughs> Like, like they basically just like started throwing every bad thing that was happening yeah. on top of the fire and made it into this huge thing. Yeah. And that's what the situation was like for the last story I told you. So yes, people are doing that. Our pets heads are falling so off. So like right a, now, like a, right? when it rains, it pours kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> except for their thing was like ridiculous. It's like, it took something <laughs> that had like no, no effect on their life. And they're like, yeah, our pets heads are falling off. And it's like, what? That's so arbitrary and irrelevant. Right. Um, but yeah, so people are going through that. So, you know, if they want to get, uh, you want to start adapting to the change now, it's to get comfortable in solitude. Okay. Get, and we're saying solitude because there's a lack of human connection right now. We're in our homes, we're quarantined. And so these tips that I'm giving you guys should help you out. Ask yourself powerful questions. Who do I want to be when this is over? Um, realize what's important to you. 
And then um, I can do another one if you want. Yeah, keep going. All right. So I would say that tip number three is, not would say, this is tip number three. So tip number three is there's a lot of people telling you what you should and shouldn't be doing right now with your routines. And like I said, a lot of them are talking from a place of I've worked from home, I know how to do this, blah, 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 but they've never been alone. And uh, <laughs> so what or, I'll tell you- it, Or they've yeah. been alone literally their entire life and don't know mm-hmm. what it's like to kind of be shocked into being alone. That could be a problem too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you hear, you hear people say, hey, get up, take a shower, put your clothes on, get dressed for the day. And in my experience, that's not what you need to do, okay? You don't, you don't need to get up and put gel in your hair. Okay. What what you need to do is yes, you should build a routine, but you should experiment what works and doesn't work. Okay. You should go into experiment mode. Hey, I I got this new situation. I got a new environment. How am I going to conquer this environment? Okay. New routine. Let me start trying stuff out. Adopting somebody else's routine that says, Hey man, put your clothes on, put gel in your hair, get dressed for the day. That's, that's decent advice. Okay. It's trying, what he's trying to do. That person's trying to do is get you going, but the better advice is start experimenting and get yourself into productivity, which that advice does actually do a little bit. So, but, but the, the higher level of this is start experimenting with what works yeah. doesn't work. Right. Well, I feel like, I feel like the message and people that are saying the whole, like, get out of bed, you know, put the gel in your hair, like put actual pants on stuff like that. I think ultimately their message is like, don't let the structure of your life just fucking crumble because yeah. The something changed in the world. They're not. I, I haven't seen many of them that it looks like they're saying do these exact things in this exact order, like that. But they're saying like if you have some sort of structure, like keep it going, like push yourself through this uh, yeah. this time. It, it, it actually martial arts is a really good example of getting decent advice and trying to make it great. Okay, so people are coming to you and telling you all these different tips and different things, just like we're doing this podcast. And you can either take that information and become. Uh, a martial artist just like them, right? Quote unquote, you can develop, you can become skilled like them, or you take these different skills and you become your own martial artist. Like that, that's why like Conor, Conor McGregor is so good. He's, he wasn't afraid to do things different. And so what he did is he went around, he pulled different things from karate, uh, Taekwondo, Bruce Lee, whatever. And then he created his own style and that's why he's great. That's why it's called mixed martial arts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he's not just trying to be a, a copy yeah. of somebody else. So take take the information, mold your own, and become excellent in your own way. But the trick here is to do what works, not what you like. Yes. Okay. As it is with everything ever yeah. in life. And you see people doing that. It's like, I feel like a lot of people need to learn, like, don't just do things for the sake of someone else does it or they said to do it that way. but understand why they do it and then use that to kind of you know mold what it is that you're gonna do like i saw i saw ed mylett this morning on instagram right he was saying to get up and get dressed every day still even if you're not actually going to work because that's been working for him so it's like don't get up and get dressed every morning just because ed mylett went on his instagram story and said to get up and get (laughs) dressed every morning but like i was like i already said his point was like also don't just lay in bed all day and think about how bad the world is right now. Like get up and do something that works for you. Yeah. Great, great example. Great example. Um, and you know, the Stoics believed the same thing. The Stoics would teach all these lessons from different people, right? And they would, they tell you their ideas and the people that gave them to them. But really what they want you to do is ponder about your own ideas and create your own philosophy for life. 
So in solitude, that's what you should be doing essentially, right? We should be building our philosophy about life, mm-hmm. figuring out what's important to us. Who do we really want to be when this is all over? You know, what are the habits and rituals that I like that make that put me in a high performance routine? When we're talking about all this, right, we are ultimately talking about solitude. So right now, a lot of people just feel alone. Like that's that's kind of the problem that we're having. So where do you find the balance between like, I, I see so many people on the internet that'll kind of ironically go to social media and they'll be posted about how nobody ever reaches out to them or they only reach out to them at night when they're bored or stuff like that. So how do we how do we solve that problem? Yeah. So um, we want to thrive in solitude. And one of the issues of solitude is that we start to feel lonely. Mm-hmm. But it's a little bit ironic because when people start to feel lonely, they don't try to connect. <laughs> they just they just self-pity. And then when they do connect, they just talk about how lonely they all feel <laughs> together. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so everybody's in like receive mode, right? Like, hey, yeah. I feel like shit. I'm not connecting. Poor me. Nobody will reach out to me. And it turns out Honestly, everybody's. I'm, I'm kind of guilty of that. Like I've been, I, I've been trying to make a point lately to like text people from my school. Like I've been texting a lot of people since this quarantine started that I don't talk to too regularly and just being like, how's this going for you? And literally every single one of them is saying virtually the same thing. Like I'm really bored and I haven't talked to my friends in forever. And I'm like, that's, that's exactly why I'm talking to you. And, and, but then, but then I'm just kind of like, yeah, you know, I feel the same. Like, well, and, and, and that's exactly my point. So everybody's living in this, like, why is nobody contacting me? Right. Yeah. And therefore nobody's contacting each other. So <laughs> it, it, this is kind of the role of the leader, right? Be the one. Yeah. Be that person okay? that says hi first. Yes. <laughs> so for solitude to thrive in solitude, Regardless of how bad you have it, be the friend that other people need. And all that really means is spend some, build a habit, a ritual of reaching out to people that you haven't talked to. What I do is I just sit down and I say, hey man, like who haven't I heard from in a long time? Yeah. And I just, whatever answer pops in my head, I just send them a message and get the conversation going. Because a random text from somebody is, is sometimes one of the most, like the, one of the coolest things that happens in a day. You're like, hey well, man. Let's talk about that, because I think that's a big part of the reason that people don't do it as much, especially with phone calls today, which I keep hearing more and more on things that I listen to that people are like, hey, pick up the phone, you'll stand out. But we all at least have this notion in our heads that if we call someone or if we text them out of the blue, we're going to be considered a creep, essentially. So how do people get over that hurdle of thinking that they're going to be because that's what goes through people's heads is like yeah. they want to reach out to these people. They want to be the friend. But at the same time, they always kind of get this resistance when they do that of people being like, why are you texting me and yeah. stuff like that? So is there a trick to that? Yeah. The, the quickest answer is um, other people's opinions of you is, is none of your business. That's the quickest answer. Like how what other people think about you is none of your friggin' business. That- right. Can you say that one more time just because you're right. (laughs) And I know you just said it twice, but I've learned very recently myself that piece of advice, like the hard way. And it is so important. It sounds so simple, but it's so important. Yeah. Everybody's walking around in their own from their and looking at life through their own um, perspective. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So what I'm saying is get over yourself because everybody's looking at the situation from their lens, not yours. And the yes. opinions that they formulate are theirs. Yeah. They're not your opinions. So it's right. actually none of your business to control what their opinion is of you, right? Just just be you and detach from that opinion. Well, another thing that I've come to realize when I do this to people is that I, th- I say to people like it's a bad thing. But when I do this, you know, I start texting <laughs> people that I never talk to. It's a really good way f- to to find out about their character and whether or not you should keep them around in your life versus the other way around. People are like, you know, this person isn't going to want to talk to me anymore. But I've kind of learned to be like, maybe this is someone I'm not going to want to talk to anymore if they start acting like I'm a fucking weirdo or like I'm some sort of bad dude for reaching out and talking to them. You know, anymore, I do that. And sometimes people do go around saying like, God, that kid's weird. I'm just, I just fucking cut him out at that point. That's like, screw these people. (laughs) It's, It's a great example because what you're talking about is if they criticize you, are they really people that you want in your circle? Mm -hmm. No. So it's like a, it's a filtering mechanism, right? You know, so, so the first thing is recognize that their opinion has nothing to do with you. Okay. Uh, it's none of your business. And the, the second thing is, um, if you're trying to get past that barrier, just go, honestly, this is, this is the best thing to do. Just go on a crusade. Okay. I was just, I was just talking to a buddy of mine about this with, uh, some marital stuff that he's going through. Okay. He's going through a divorce and he's got, he's in this awkward situation where they've been split up for a long time and they've been kind of like keeping it personal and, and quiet and not letting the world know. And they both have done this for a long time, him and his ex. And now they're both moving in directions with somebody else and people are starting to ask questions. Mm-hmm. So I, I, he's like, man, I don't know, like I'm stuck. You know, I got yeah. both these lives that I'm living and I don't want to hurt people's feelings. And I said, dude, best thing that you can do is go on a crusade. Go on a seven-day crusade. Tell everybody that you run into what's going on. Get it all off your chest. And if you think of somebody, you text them and you tell them, put a Facebook, put whatever it is, man. And you just own it for seven days. And so do that with people in this example. Like go on a crusade and just reach out to people and and be vulnerable for that week and see what comes of it. And after that week's done, guess what? Now everybody knows you as this new person and they're not going to expect something different from you. Yeah, and it will it will just reveal so much about the other people's characters if you do something like that. Yeah. And people are so worried about what it's going to say about their own. But if someone really like lashes out on you or something that that looks a lot worse on their part than it does on yours. Yeah. Like, period. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to go over in this one? Um, no, I think but so far so good. I, I mean, we gave four really good tips on how to thrive in solitude. Um. Let me look at my notes real quick. No, I had somebody ask me about habits during solitude. So I guess I'll just touch on that real quick. So after you figured out who you want to be, after you figured out what's important to you, and you've started building routines, you know, the next question, the next challenge that people are going to struggle with is, is how long can I sustain this habit that I've created? Um, the question was asked to me, how long do habits take to form? And I'm just going to reveal this to the world because there's a lot of, because the entire of, world listens to this podcast. They, sh- they, yeah, they should, because I would, this would it be, will be soon yeah. after the people that are listening, spread the message. Yeah. But this is, this is going to be, this is really good advice because it's not what you commonly hear. Um, and honestly, I'm not right all the time, but 
I've been right. I've been wrong a lot. Okay. Just up front. <laughs> but the things that I speak passionately and certain about, those are things that uh, I've learned through being wrong. So I used to think that habits t- took 21 days to form. I used to think that they took X amount of hours. And what I learned through experience is that habits take as long as they take to form. Okay. You could have a habit for, I don't know, a whole year. And then the second year, it'd be impossible to hold on to. That's happened to me. So the, it, when you're reverse engineering who you want to be, what's important to you, and you're creating this new structure for living in solitude, understand that your new habits are going to take as long as they take. Okay. And you just need to be honest with yourself on whether or not they're a habit. So if, do, you, do you still need to write it down every single day? Okay. If you have to write it down every single day, it's not quite a habit. Okay. But if you can do it and be, you know, just like brushing your teeth where it's automatic, then you probably don't need to write it down and then you have that formed. But if you fail again in the future, you're going to have to come back and build that habit again. So it's going to be this constant battle. So what I'm telling people is that this journey that you're on, there's no short destination. Okay. It, I'm preparing you for the long game. You're, you're going to have to build these habits and then constantly work on them over and over and over again, tend to them. You're going to fail. You're going to come back. You're going to do it again. But just, you know, just remember that the chains of habit are too light to be felt until they're too heavy to be broken. So if you're developing bad habits, it's going to catch up to you after this is all done. You do not want to be in a position where you have bad habits at the end of the solitude. The chains of habit are too light to be felt until they're too heavy to be broken. All right. So build good habits. And that's the last thing I'll say about thriving in solitude. All right. Uh, That's all you got. I agree with everything you just said about habits. I feel like there is a lot to the habit thing. That's the only thing I would add to that is that it's it's so weird that we even try to say like it takes this long to form a new habit. It can depend on a lot of moving factors, like whether or not you're trying to break an old one or or replace an old one, I probably should say, or I don't know, some habits are just innate and others aren't, but I'm not going to go down a whole rabbit hole with that because we got our point across for the episode. Yeah. The quickest way to build a habit is to stack it on top of an existing habit. There's your, there's your quickest way to do it. Okay. A little short hack for you. Take one that you're already doing. Maybe you eat three meals a day and you want to read, stack your reading on top of your eating. And now you're, you're reading three times a day. Okay. That's the easiest way to do it. So, um, quick little hack for you guys. All right. It's cool. So that wraps it up. Do you have any closing notes? Uh, I don't think, Oh, one thing I thought about the other day, just for anybody that might be interested and actually makes it this far into these episodes um, if there is anything you want us to talk about specifically on the podcast, we do have an email for the podcast that we like never talk about, which is be the leader podcast at gmail.com. So I I guess email us there if you ever have anything, or especially if you hear something in a podcast that you want us to elaborate on, because I feel like that happened a couple of times in this episode where we kind of touched on something that we could have gone a lot deeper into. So uh, just communicate with us there. It might be a little bit easier sometimes to get things on the podcast and like DMing Jeremiah because he gets a lot of that. Yeah. That's actually a huge opportunity for anybody that's listening because we don't get a whole lot of, um, we don't advertise the emails a lot or our, our, you know, podcast email a lot. So there's a huge opportunity there in that if you write one up and you send it to us, we're going to go through it and add it to the, to the episode. So (laughs) yeah, we'll notice. So if you, if you guys have content, you want us to touch on something, a situation that's, tailored towards your needs, email us at be the leader podcast at gmail.com and we'll address it in a future episode. Okay. Um, it's a huge opportunity there for you. All right, guys and gals. Thanks again for listening, uh, to recap the four tips for thriving in solitude, um, is one, ask powerful questions, uh, two, realize and discover what's important to you. 
three, uh, build a routine that works for you, not necessarily one that you enjoy. And then number four, regardless of how bad you have it, uh, be a friend that other people need. So those are the tips for thriving in solitude. And I just want to close off with today's quote. Um, the world is not interested in the storms you encountered, but did you bring the ship in? And, and really what that means, that's by, by James Rowe from Five Years of Freedom. I highly recommend that book. But what that means is, you know, at the end of all this, the end of solitude, the world isn't going to care about the storm that you went through. Nobody's going to care. What people are going to see is whether or not you brought the quote unquote ship in. Did you get the results at the back end? Are you going to continue to get the results? So that's today's message. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please leave a review. And until next time, be the leader. some motivation. Motivation. Every day I try a little harder, but my dedication. Dedication. Keep my head way, way above the water. Trying myself and I yell at the wall. Begging to run, but I needed to crawl. I see the finish line up ahead. Trying to get traction from all of this tread. I am a king. I am a queen. I am more than the people can see. I am strong when I'm needing to be. Vulnerability's nothing to me. You can try, but I'm unshakable. My successes is never debatable. I'm coming and I'm so interchangeable. Here's to you and all that you are capable. You gotta go hard, better get it. You gotta go.